1: Hello and welcome to the Pocket Podcast, I'm Rick Henderson and this week we'll be flying high, talking wearables and using our jumpers for goalposts in the park. That's because I'll later be chatting with Pocket contributing editor Luke Baker about his experiences with the Ortel EVO Lite Plus drone to find out if it can break DJI's stranglehold on the market. I'll then be having a chinwag with the head of wearables at Qualcomm, Pankage Kadia, on how and why the smartwatch market has grown significantly over the last couple of years. Plus, we'll talk about the company's new Snapdragon W5 Plus Gen 1 platform and how it can be a game changer when it comes to battery life. But first, it's time to lace up our virtual boots as our reviews editor, Connor Allison, joins me to chat about FIFA 23. EA has recently lifted the lid on the next edition of its hugely successful franchise, which will also be the last before adopting a new EA Sports FC moniker next year. So Connor, like myself, you've been a big FIFA fan over the years, and we both agreed that FIFA 22 made some significant gameplay changes at the end of last year. Do you think, therefore, FIFA 23 has room to improve?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think there's always there's uh, always better room for improvement. I think FIFA 22 was, I think we both said it, haven't we? As you say, like we over the last few years, it's probably the one that stands out as the one of the better titles. I think there was some you know ropey versions i think nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. 21 um but i think the odd thing aside i think fifa 23 you know if we can fix some uh defensive ai and you know you, you are always going to get those you know incremental improvements i think it's, it's i think it's more a case this time of building on what 22 did well rather than trying to kind of reinvent the wheel i think
1: yeah indeed um now we know that there's it has been announced. Um, there's a trailer online. If you want to go and go and watch it, you can watch it on PocketLint.com. Hey, right, you how know about <laughs> that? Um, but also, but also they sort of like release some of the feature lists. They haven't released everything yet. They like to do that. They like to drip feed us with information. Some of them are fully fleshed. some are, some were just a sentence about it. Um, one of which is is based exactly on what we've just been saying is that they've improved the hyper motion engine. Now mm-hmm. for listeners who don't know what the hyper motion engine was last year, it was a complete rewrite re- of the, uh, of the game engine from almost the ground up. And it's specifically related to animation. And now while people would think that that might just be a graphical change, animation is the, is the bedrock of FIFA because it allow it's what allows the players to move the way they do. It's it's what allows players to feel like that they are as responsive as they are, and um, and to move and ebb and flow like a real football match. And hyper motion, what they did is they motion captured real footballers in an eleven versus eleven situation to get that kind of real match engine feel. Um, and as we were just saying it did it did feel significantly better last year didn't it conor
2: i think this i think this is one of the things with kind of as we progress further into this console generation this is the kind of thing you start to see isn't it and i think hopefully you end up with a situation where you know on the animations front it's kind of you know you're still playing it months after launch and you know you kind of like oh i haven't seen you know somebody slide tackle like that i haven't seen maybe someone you know a defender react that way that's kind of the place you want to get to where it feels quite Life like quite fluid and i think yeah definitely 22 had some elements of that um and i think actually it's funny in the trailer you do see kind of a couple of seconds of that kind of fluidity but um as ever you get the kind of fast-paced you know up-tempo music uh fifa trailer which is generally quite indistinguishable (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah no high promotion 2 it does seem promising i think the on the animation front it could it that's one of the biggest things isn't it like when you yeah if you, if you go back between console generations just that kind of fluidity is it's really stark so yeah and it's uh, yeah and it's way
1: more than just the look because mm. um there's one thing i can guarantee is that when it first comes out it'll be awful
2: mm, that's often the way isn't it
1: yeah yeah because what they realize is that when you know they've tested it a number of matches through people obviously having access to alphas and beta code but then, when it finally releases, they suddenly realise uh, thousands upon thousands of matches and criticisms. They suddenly realise either the defensive engine is too aggressive, yeah, or the or the shooting is like I remember last year, you could um, finesse shot a which yeah. is a curving shot into the goal. You could finesse shot from about forty yards, and the goalkeeper yeah. couldn't get anywhere near it.
2: And it gets spammed, doesn't it? You have a, you kind of yeah. have that week, four week period where. Uh, everyone's trying to figure out which skill move can, you know, shoot you five yards past, uh, past <laughs> yeah. The any, any... Yeah, so it's it's those I, kind of things, isn't it, that get in the early... There's a few early versions that kind of get muscled out. Um, but it promises a lot. As I yeah, think.
1: and it does. And to be fair, in the trailer, it looks excellent. There's a lot more animations. That's the big thing, is yeah. that they tweak certain things. They, they're saying that they've... Um, definitely done improvements they haven't really detailed what the improvements are but they've said they've improved shooting they've improved dribbling mm-hmm. um and there'll be a lot more uh control over dribbling for the player uh not just sort of like there's a hell of a lot of people on fifa 22 using a lot of auto dribbling moves that really exactly. wound me up yeah well it's, um, uh, it's one
2: of those things after a few months you just want to be able to not be it's, you don't want something that's predictable do you because i think yeah you know, after a while it gets very stale
1: um so they 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 say there's going to be more than 6000 animations for players and team mm-hmm. movement that's it, that those are the those are the main things that we'll see in the gameplay and uh, and I th- in terms of the um the modes i mean obviously they they they've uh, announced Volta again which i i must admit i've never been a fan of mm-hmm. um and uh, a few tiny tweaks to the career mode um, such as being able, to, I I barely play career mode anyway.
2: It's funny, I think. Yeah, with career mode, it's one of those things where I think towards the end of like every FIFA, when I kind of just want to dip in without the kind of competitive element of um, Ultimate Team, you kind of dip in. I feel like it's been obviously very very similar product for the last few years. Um, yeah, I think this year they're going to bring in where you can start kind of playing important moments in the game. Kind of like Which will speed mainly.
1: up a season in measure. Yeah,
2: and that, you know, that's that stuff's great. I mean, ultimately, this is just not where a lot of the fan base is playing. You know, as we all know, like Ultimate Team is is the huge Yeah, rival. absolutely. I mean, it's always going to be incremental stuff, isn't it, to things like uh, career mode.
1: Well, outside of Ultimate Team, the only other modes I will mention, because it is quite a significant change, is they're adding women's leagues. Mm. Now, they've touched, they've had women's football in the game for quite a few years. But never really highlighted it very much, and it's always been international um, players only mm. and only certain international teams and there wasn't really a good structure to it
2: yeah um, I think it's one of those things I think it's um as you say visibility hasn't always been major within menus has it so I think having kind of samcare on the on the front cover and having it a bit more of it, like have kind of official with the women's super league and things like that I think it Helps that visibility issue
1: definitely, def absolutely, and helps visibility of women's football generally. Which, um, as we speak, um, England very recently beat Spain in extra time (laughs) in the Euros, and I've never seen a women's match watched by so many people, which is fantastic. Mm, Amazing, you know, it was great. We're in, I was in a pub, and there was everybody was glued to it, which is just so that was such a rare occasion, and it's great to see. I think the last thing we'll we'll touch upon with FIFA twenty three that was announced was crossplay. Mm. Now that did what that was introduced right at the end of FIFA twenty two. Well, I'd say right at the end, people still playing it, but <laughs> it kind of like as it was winding down, a lot of players were starting to leave it. Mm. Um, it and introduced crossplay, but only in friendlies outside of Ultimate Team. The big news is it's going to be pretty much on every single multiplayer mode, the only exceptions being when it's co op. It, there, you are limited to what formats you can play cross play on, though. If yeah, it's actually a,
2: it's quite complicated. I was actually just it reading it. It is, that.
1: yeah. I, when I was writing it, I was going, really? Yeah. Um, no, it's, so it's, I can understand why, because the game engine for PS5, Xbox Series X is different to the game engine for last generation machines. Hmm. So it would have been very difficult to um, make sure that games are not imbalanced.
2: I think this is what like. in, in a deep dive, I think it's one of those things where they they're grouping, you know, next generation consoles, um, PC together in terms of gameplay say so on Ultimate Team. But the they've stayed like the market is separate on PC to you know, yeah, and, and I think stuff like that is, I'm sure they've done it, it for a good reason. But it is also you know, if you're a PC player, that's potentially a bit of a, you know, it is a real game changer um So yeah, it's not a flat crossplay, I guess we should say. No,
1: no. Um, and uh, Stardia is another one that is actually yeah. included in the crossplay, yeah. which is remarkable, really. <laughs> uh, but the um, the last thing I will say though about it is that sadly, if you're a Nintendo Switch owner, you get the short end of the straw yet again. Uh, is that that you, know, you get no crossplay. It's looking like yet again it'll just be a very incremental update on the last version, which was a very incremental update on the previous one, which was a very incremental <laughs> update on the on the one before, and effectively, it'll play the same. Now that that didn't bother it, it hasn't bothered me in the past. Mm-hmm. After the game goes on sale at yeah. full price, that really bothered me. But to be honest, being able to, to play a bit of FIFA on a plane, I always quite enjoyed that. But charging full full price for the same game year on year
2: for the switch for me i think i've still got kind of like fifa 18 downloaded on yeah the, and the you switch. might as well exactly and it's just one of those things where there's, there's no compelling reason to really upgrade or even recommend it to anybody unless yeah i think once you've got one of the recent versions then uh, you're sorted basically you? and yeah i think that yeah that i so said that novelty you know if you're on a plane if you're on a train or something like that it, it does it is great but it's um it is disappointing it's so kind of Poorly supported, I guess, in terms of those year-on-year updates.
1: So, kind of, when's uh, when's FIFA twenty three out?
2: Um, we are looking at a put me on the spot. know <laughs> it's September. It's um, we're looking thirtieth of September, aren't we, for uh, for the release date? And twenty or or you obviously go your uh, Ultimate Edition uh, on the twenty seventh, which I know we'll be, both be doing.
1: Still to come, we look at the Autel Evo Light Plus six K drone.
3: Autel a like um, the closest competition that DJI has at the moment, making consumer-friendly uh, drones with high-quality cameras on them.
1: But first, Qualcomm recently launched a new platform for smartwatches. It's Snapdragon W5 Plus Gen 1 chipset that comes with claims that it is smaller and more power-efficient than any of its solutions before. I had the opportunity to talk with the tech giant's head of wearables, Pankaj Kadia, to find out its more significant benefits and how he thinks the smart and fitness watch market is going so far. I started by asking Penkej whether the rapid rise in wearables has been because the technology is now caught up with the concept or whether it's because consumers are more used to them.
0: It's a little bit of both. Over the last 10 years, there have been significant changes in technology from a processing power perspective, from a battery life perspective, From a size perspective, um, all of these things, from a connectivity perspective, each one of these technologies has continued to improve. You know, what what we, uh, the product I see today is better than the product I saw a year ago, three years ago, five years ago. So continuous improvement in technology, number one. Number two, we have moved from the early adopter to broad deployment um it's not a early adopter trend anymore in the mainstream smartwatch market you know the industry is shipping well over 100 million units this year and so the smartwatches are being used by mainstream consumers the wearable segment has also proliferated across regions across demographics across use cases Wearables is not just a China phenomena or UK phenomena. Wearables are everywhere. Wearables is not just for people like you and I. There are very interesting products, wearables for children, Uh, wearables for seniors with focus on health and wellness have really come into their own, especially over the last two years uh, during the pandemic. And maybe the last point I would add is the user experience has has improved significantly so you know yesterday people would buy a wearable use it for two four weeks and then put it in the drawer not anymore so it's an exciting space and i agree there has been a dramatic change over the last 10 years in how the segment has evolved
1: One of the things most commonly criticised by people when they're they're talking about smartwatches is battery life. But I understand you've got a new system on chip that is coming that addresses exactly that. It addresses the battery life issue. Do you think that will be a major breakthrough when that comes?
0: Yes. So, so Rick, um, Rome was not built in a day. When you talk about new segments, new use cases, it, it takes time. Generally, to establish a new category, it takes you know a decade or longer. Um, on battery life, things have improved significantly over the last few years. The battery life we get today is much better than you know what you got three years ago or five years ago. But there is a big leap coming. Uh, we recently launched our next generation wearable platform. We call it the Snapdragon W5 Plus wearable platform. We expect this platform to deliver twice the performance, twice the richness, while extending battery life by 50% and reducing size. So we are on to something. Our customers are excited about the products they are building based on this platform. And I believe this could be a turning point in how we think about battery life in wearables.
1: The other thing about that you've, you've touched upon it, the W5 Plus, is also that you say it, it it's a smaller um, SOC than you've previously been able to manufacture. Um, and of course, a smartwatch, for example, is more than just a practical device, unlike a phone. It's also a piece of jewelry. It's a piece of fashion. Is the size of the actual internal hardware vital then?
0: Absolutely. Rick, um, I like to say, i carry technology but wear fashion so if you're going to put a wearable on your uh, body on your wrist it needs to blend in it needs to be smaller sleeker thinner Um, with the snapdragon w5 plus platform we have reduced the packaging size by 30 percent by doing so the Size of the electronics goes down by forty percent. This enables a smartwatch-like form factor to go as small as thirty-eight of forty millimeter diameter and a sub-ten millimeter thickness. These are classic sizes for smartwatches, you know, for people with str- with small wrists. So we are excited about this from a technology standpoint, because we are breaking, um, we're establishing new thresholds in what is possible. Our customers who are working on products based on this platform are excited about this change because they can build smaller, thinner watches and, you know, do, do smart watches targeted, uh, um, targeted for people with small wrists. The, the other thing it does is if you want to maintain the size of the wearable, because the technology is smaller, you can put a bigger battery and get longer battery life. So it, it opens up, um, you know, new venues for customers to bring products to consumers.
1: Does it also encourage more luxury analog watch brands uh, to come into the market now because they know that they don't have to compromise on their luxury design? with the actual technology?
0: Yeah, yeah, Rick. um, um, Qualcomm has led the way in driving convergence between fashion and technology. We have done so with the likes of Fossil. We have brought in sports and technology. We have done so with the likes of Sunto and other players. On the luxury front, we have already been working with Louis Vuitton and Tag Heuer, with Hublot, and Mont Blanc, they are excited about this this new platform, and I think your uh, audience uh, should also be excited because smaller, thinner products, luxury products, are coming to a store near you.
1: Do you think actually having a unified hardware and software platform in in Wear OS um, is, it, is basically galvanized the watch industry into realizing that this is a massive sector for them.
0: It takes a village to build beautiful products that consumers want to wear day and night. Um, The products have to be smaller, thinner, bring beautiful experiences. And as you say, that is only possible with a very tight hardware-software integration. We are working very closely with a host of partners in the ecosystem in the sensor space, in the audio space, in the camera space, in the video space. Of course, we are also working closely with Google. Last year, we launched the Wearable Ecosystem Accelerator program. The interest in that program has surprised all of us. Today, we have more than 135 who's who players in the industry participating in that program collaborating with each other using the snapdragon w5 plus platform that i talked about building products for tomorrow our goal is to bring to consumers moments of delight
1: i think um my last question actually is um more about the comparisons with an analog watch and a smartwatch. Now, obviously, an analog watch has a very long lifespan, often handed down from generation to generation, whereas a smartwatch obviously has a more finite lifespan because by its very nature, it has to have things like software updates and eventually the hardware inside um, expires at a certain point. Um, Do we think there will ever be a time when smartwatches will have such a much longer lifespan lifespan, that they will become a default um, watch in comparison to an analog watch or are they just totally different things?
0: Yeah uh, Rick uh, it's a little apple and oranges comparison Um, um, I have many analog watches I like them because they look beautiful and they tell time as a matter of fact sometimes I wear these watches even if the time is wrong because they look beautiful on me When we think about a smartwatch, the value proposition is very different. Of course, the smartwatch tells time. Of course, we are making the smartwatches beautiful, smaller, sleeker, so they look good on you. But there is much more to a smartwatch. When I wear a smartwatch, I use it to pay. I use it to check in my flight. I go for a run with it. I'm listening to music. I'm getting messages. I'm getting directions. I have actually given up my car key and my home key. My smartwatch acts as my keys. That's the device I rely on day in and day out. You know, um, earlier this week on Tuesday, I got in my car. I drove a mile. I realized I forgot to put my smartwatch on. I drove back. (laughs) because I can't live without one.
1: And so we come to our weekly review. Luke Baker has been flying the Ortel Evo Light Plus to give us his lowdown on the highly specced drone and the state of the drone market in general. So Luke, what do you think of the Autel? Tell us all about it.
3: Right, so the Ortel the Evo Light Plus is kind of a drone that positions itself between the DJI Air 2S and the Mavic 3. Um obviously they're both DJI drones, as most of most consumer drones are, all the popular ones at least. But Autela like um the closest competition that DJI has at the moment, making consumer friendly uh drones with high quality cameras on them. And um yeah, I, I think it it's quite a smart move that they did that really, because they don't have a direct Competitor um, in terms of specs from DJI, so but otherwise it is kind of like the Air 2S, but with an ad- with an adjustable aperture and um, better handling in uh, high winds and kind of inclement weather. So if you like, if you're looking for an Air 2S, but you want those extra features, that's the one that you go for because there's no there's nothing else offering that except for the mavic for the mavic 3 which is much more expensive and heavier and bigger
1: in basic terms what kind of does it offer what what's the spec of the camera um, and what kind of battery life are we expecting
3: so um the camera shoots up to 5.4k video it does interestingly it says six K on the actual camera housing, but it's it's five point four. So I don't really know what that's about. Um as well as all oh, your yeah, other standard resolutions like 4K sixty, um 1080 60, etc. Um and 20 megapixel in photos, and you can shoot raw photos as well. And um you get well they advertise 40 minutes flight time but that's kind of ideal world scenario where there's absolutely no wind and you're flying at a steady speed and not realistic, basically. Um, but we still got over 30 minutes on pretty much every flight, and it was always a bit windy. So the the battery life's really good, actually. That was one of the most impressive um, parts, just how it's very flies very well, flies very smoothly and for a long time, which is pretty great
1: is it easy to uh, pick up and fly
3: yeah it actually just feels pretty much like any of dji's drones so if you've ever flown a drone you can pick it up and and off you go um the biggest downside with it compared to dji's stuff is um the autonomous tracking So, you know, you can like select a person or a vehicle or whatever, usually, and the drone will just follow them. Um, It's very limited on Autel's system. So, you can only follow people to start with, and you can only follow from behind them. So, whereas with DJI, you can make it fly backwards if you want, and you can select a car if you want, or whatever you'd like, and it will follow it. But yeah, Autel's got a long way to go there. And they've been incrementally adding more and more support for that in um, firmware updates and the like. But um, yeah, it needs work. It doesn't, especially if you tell it to follow someone, but the person you tell it to follow is not moving away from the drone. It doesn't really know what to do. And it kind of freaks out and just waves around in the sky <laughs> which is a bit scary especially when it costs well over a grand and a half so yeah <laughs> not for so, the faint of heart
1: <laughs> would you say that the uh the evo light plus is sort of like more prosumer than consumer
3: yeah yeah definitely um it's kind of it's it's encroaching on the mavic 3 territory um so yeah kind of I guess a very serious hobbyist or someone who's being paid for video or photo work is is kind of the target audience for this.
1: Do you think that for there's a there's a market for normal consumers or is it really just content creators that are that are looking at drones these days?
3: Yeah, so I think it it depends on the type of drone, because obviously there's there's a lot of types. But the kind of DJI and autel drones that we've been talking about are very heavily focused around content creation of some kind, whether that's you know producing videos for clients or YouTube videos or even real estate kind of stuff. But then there are always the other type of drones, which are like toys for for playing around and just flying with, where you're not even capturing any footage. And I don't think they're going to go anywhere. But it's just a very different market and a very different um, price point. I don't think you know kids wanting to play around like a RC plane type thing are going to gravitate towards anything from Ortel or DJI at the moment, really. Uh,
1: and I suppose my last question is: Can Ortel break that dominance that DJI has?
3: Well, they're not there yet, but they are. They are closer than anyone I've seen in the past. Um, I think, really, DJI's edge at the moment is the refinement in their software and a few pieces of design. Like, the the remotes that DJI um, provide with their drones have spaces to store the sticks and the cables, so you've got everything neat and together, whereas Autel's design has got a little bit of a way to go to catch up with that. But they hit a good price point there it flies really well and the videos are really videos and photos are really nice so they are very close and i think in a few years it's going to be some stiff competition for sure
1: and that's it for this week's podcast i hope you found it all very enjoyable if so please leave a review on your listening platform of choice for now i've been rick henderson and i hope you'll join us for our next podcast where we'll have another packed lineup of guests and tech for you keep safe